truly one of my favorite songs. You will come through. You always do. I trust your name for greater things. Um, this morning, um, I'm just really praying about today. Uh, we're nominating deacons. There's things going on in the church life. Um, I'm praying about today. Not that it would be an ordinary day. Not that it would be a regular day. But it would be a day filled with God's Spirit. A day uh, when God would really move among us and do something that would be immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Have you come with that expectation today? Have you come ready for God to touch your life today? See, see, I think so often we don't experience God's power. We don't experience that life change because, well, we weren't looking for it. Jesus said, seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds, right? If we're not knocking, if we're not seeking, if we're not asking, maybe that's why we're not receiving. So let's stop and ask the Lord to move among us, to speak to us, to, to bless us today with just a little more, maybe some greater things. Father, I, I need you today. We all need you. We need you every day. Lord, when have you not given good gifts to your children? When have you not made yourself known to those who are seeking you? Your word says those who know your name will trust in you because you, O oh Lord, have never forsaken those who seek your face. And Lord, you never will. You're not starting today. You're not starting ever. Lord, let today be a day when your fire falls. Let today be a day where you strengthen, where you give us overflowing love and self-discipline. Lord, grant success and strength in the lives of those who are struggling and struggling with temptation or sin. Lord, grant power um, and endurance to those who are sick and ill and just struggling in life. Lord, give us love. Love for you. Not love for your ministry. Not just love for your church, but love for you first. And let that love overflow to all of those around us. God, move among us in a way that only you can. You never fail. You never will. Lord, we're asking you for these greater things. Speak today through your word. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, our great and Savior and King. Amen. Today we're actually starting a new series um, uh, from Scripture, and I always kind of like these series. Um, Sometimes we just do a sermon that's a one and done, but I, I, I enjoy going through a longer set of passages, and I, honestly, by doing a series, we don't have to have a seven-hour sermon, so um, this way uh, we can cover some things in pieces, and honestly, I think we need to take those times. We need to take the time to uh, dig in deep. We're looking at the ministry of Elisha, ministry of Elisha. He's one of the prophets in the Old Testament, and one of the big ones, he's, he, he's what's called... Um, one of the, in the former prophets, and he's what's called, he's not a writing prophet. He's not one of the ones that wrote books. We don't have the book of Elisha. So we see him pop up, though, in the st story in the nations of, of Israel. And whenever we start a new series, this is a good week to be here. Why? Well, because we give you a little bit of background. We try to give you everything you need every week. But this first week, I want to give you a little bit of context. And would you listen for a moment? Because some of this might sound familiar. 
Elisha was ministering, and he was a prophet of God in the nation in the northern tribe of Israel when the people of God were extremely divided. They had been one nation, Judah and Israel, all 12 tribes together, but for some time now, they had been a significantly divided nation, like with two kings, with two sort of sets of priests, with two of everything. I mean, there was the um, <laughs> Judah and, and Israel, there was the red and the blue, there was the, you know, I mean, it was a divided nation that had been living through this division for decades upon decades now. This was not new to them. They had conflict and it had begun to bleed over. People who saw themselves as family, people who had seen themselves as one nation and one purpose, people who had been devoted to God together, now we're walking some different paths. Now we're even fighting amongst themselves. Now had like literally come to physical conflict. It was a time of growing global insecurity. You can see on the little map there, there were nations all around the kingdom, northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. There were kingdoms around them, Moab and Ammon. Um, these um, were at times oppressed by the Israelites. In fact, we were coming out of a time when Moab was having to pay tribute to the Israelites. And when during Elisha's time, Moab had rebelled and become <clears throat> independent. It's interesting how you call that, right? Is it, is it the American Revolution or the American Rebellion? I, 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 I guess it kind of depends on your perspective, right? A little bit, right? Okay. Um, so this was a time when some of the states had broken away from Israel's control, which might be, I don't know, independence. Could that be a good thing? But it was also a time when nations were attacking. Ammon uh, and uh, um, the kingdom in the north, Aram, uh, was beginning to oppress the Israelites global power, Assyria, that was on the rise. The first really, truly great global power was on the rise. Isn't that sounding familiar? Hmm. It was a time of decaying spiritual values, especially in the north. People were very confused. They were synchronistic. They had mixed various religious beliefs, and it had kind of corrupted this idea of this is how you serve God. This is how you know God. This is what is right and wrong. The political authorities like King Ahab and Jezebel were entirely corrupt, literally murdering people to take their land, uh, to increase their own wealth. Things that you just wouldn't think of that political leaders would do. Lying, not telling the truth, um, seeking their own gain at the expense of the people. Maybe that sounds familiar too. It was time of competing versions of truth. It, they had been told that there was one God. They had been told Yahweh had brought them out of slavery in Egypt. They had been told about all of the miracles and wonders, how he had redeemed them time and time again. But during Elisha's time, it had also been a time when Jezebel, the queen, uh, under Ahab, uh, had brought in a whole new belief system, the Baal worship of, of their neighbors and the Canaanite gods. And these had become the dominant worship in, in the land. And now you had Elijah, uh, Elisha's predecessor, had won this great sort of conflict, which God would truly be God. And that, that, version, that, that moment on Mount Carmel where God answers in fire and declares himself to be God, all of that had happened. And yet the people's hearts really had never changed. And you had division between some who worshiped God and some who worshiped other gods, other competing versions of truth. Here's what we're going to see today. Elisha's ministry begins when his mentor, 
um, Elijah, this famous, most famous of all of the Old Testament prophets, Elijah's ministry was coming to an end. It was an end of an era. And so Elisha, who was, who was this guy Elijah? He was pretty important, right? He was the one that was the quintessential prophet. He was the one who stood opposed to, to, to false beliefs. He's the one who opposed the false prophets of Baal. Um, he, during Ahab's reign, he, he try, helped try to turn the people's hearts back to God, but it seemed to only last a little bit of time. He confronted corruption in the government. He challenged their idolatry. And get this, he never died. And you're like, so can we meet him? No, 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 we'll see today what happened to him. But he actually was one of the few people in all of history, the book, that never experienced death. He was honored by all those who followed God. He was honored by all those as, as the leader, the one they looked to to give the truth and direction and to restore the people. He was the one that they trusted in. And he was about to be gone. Elisha came from a wealthy farming family. When Elijah said, God has told you to come be my assistant and take over and you're going to be the next prophet, Elisha responded with yes. He followed without hesitation. He ends up serving during times of war, political instability. But at this moment, he was unproven. He was untested protege. Everybody knew that he followed around after Elijah, but... How much did they know about him? Would he be as strong of a leader as Elijah? Would he be one whose God's power would work through like he did through Elijah? Nobody knew. Well, let's look at the story for a minute. Let's jump in. Here's what it says in 2 Kings chapter 2. It says, Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, You please stay here. For the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha says, as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will not leave you. I'm not leaving your side right now. I'm not going to do it. So they went down to Bethel. Now at Bethel, the, the company of prophets, the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel, they came out to Elisha and they said, um, do, you, do you know that today the Lord will take away your master? That's Elijah. He's going to take away that master from you. He said, yes, yes, I know it. God reveals his will to us. God directs our steps. God does not move in darkness. In Amos, it says, does God do anything without revealing his plans to his, his prophets? Here's a secret about God's will. He does show us. He's not trying to keep it a secret. God directs our steps. Proverbs, right? A famous one. I love this. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God, and he will make your steps clear. God leads us. God directs us. But you know what God doesn't do? He typically doesn't give us the long-term roadmap. That's what I kept asking for. Okay, God, now, <clears throat> which jobs am I going to have for the next 30 years? Hey, God, if you could just show me here, then that'll make sure I'll major in the right thing, right? Because that way I'll be prepared. Hey, God, if you would just show me exactly where I should invest my money for retirement, then I'll make sure I give you an extra bonus, maybe like, you know, 15% tithe or something. You know, God, show me how to like really plan for the future. God calls us to walk with him step by step, but he doesn't leave us in the dark. It's step by step, but he makes sure we're ready for the challenges ahead. 
the company of prophets, Elisha himself, and Elijah knew that this was the day. This was when transition was happening. This is when change was coming. He said, yes, I know it. He was aware. God had made known what was going on. And I got to be honest, it was probably a pretty scary moment. Have you ever had this? Have you ever had, like, followed in somebody else's shadow? I can't. I, basketball season's coming. I've already given up on... John, I've given up. Syracuse football, I've already given up. I mean, it's looking awful on there. I've, I've kind of, maybe they'll win some games, but it, it's been bad lately. I'm, I've already given up there. But basketball's coming, but we don't have Coach Jim Beheim. And for those of you that might know about Jim, I mean, he's been there. He was there a long time. I wouldn't want to be the guy that followed him, right? I wouldn't want to be the guy that took over next for him. I wouldn't want to be that university president that follows the guy that's been there 25 years and everybody loves. I wouldn't want to be that CEO that follows the next guy. I don't want to be that patriarch in the family. I mean, every, the beloved leader, the beloved person, have you ever done that? Have you ever tried to live up to maybe an older brother or a sister or a cousin who was just, man, they were just good at academics or they were just good at athletics or they, maybe they were good at managing money or they had musical talent or popularity. You just always felt like you were in the shadow. And then to be that successor, boy, I would not, shh, <laughs> Elijah said, don't, Elisha says, don't speak of it. I don't want to talk about it, man. I, it's coming. I, I, I don't want to face this. I don't want the pressure. Let's pick up in the story, verse 4. So Elijah said to him, Hey, Elisha, why don't you stay here? Please stay here. For the Lord has sent me to Jericho now. And he said, As the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And when they get there, same kind of scene. It says the sons of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha, and they said this, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master from you? And he answered, Yeah, I know it. I don't want to talk about it. Keep quiet. I don't want to talk about it. Not only is the pressure coming of being the successor, but he's losing his mentor. He's losing Elijah. The guy that not only does everybody look to, but he had been following around for a while. He had been learning from for a while. He had been like just soaking it in. Elijah was his guy, Elijah was his, guy his mentor. Now, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys have ever had a cherished mentor. Have you ever had someone in your life? It's interesting when you start looking at stories of mentorship and leadership. Um, I, maybe you had maybe a contentious mentor person that really challenged you, maybe in graduate school or maybe in athletics. Um, LeBron James, I mean, people like him a lot. He's a great basketball player. I, was one that didn't go to, through a college program, right? He's one of the ones that just, hey, I'm just going straight to the NBA. Now you can make money as a college student. So I don't know if that's going to change. I think that's going to change a lot of things. But he, you know, he, he never really had that mentor person in his life. And at first, there seemed to be some pretty big challenges when he was on Team USA and Mike Krzyzewski from Duke was, became, uh, was his coach. But LeBron really kind of credits Mike Krzyzewski as being someone who helped him develop as a person, not just as a player, but as a person and as a leader. Or maybe, you know, um, Oprah Winfrey talks about Maya Angelou being just a, a person who helped her learn about how to deal with people, work with people. Uh, Oprah Winfrey didn't come from a place of influence. Uh, she didn't come from a place of wealth. Um, and all of a sudden, Maya Angelou became this person who said to her, look, don't listen to what people say about themselves. Watch what they do. 
and Oprah Winfrey. So that became kind of a, a, a key for her, a, a key in relating to people. Um, I, I don't know. We can go on and on. There's J.J. Abrams and, you know, uh, Yeah, Spielberg. Spielberg, there he is. He's up on the screen. Spielberg, doing mentoring in movies, or I mean, if you don't know real-world people, how about Luke Skywalker, right? Obi-Wan Kenobi, I don't know. Pick your mentor, pick your person. We see these in history, but what about us? Maybe there was someone in your life that was super valuable, that was so close to you, that, that, that helped direct you to help lead your steps. I mean, even in college, I remember how I just wanted to emulate, I think it was Jet. How would you not want to be like a guy like Jet? I was a freshman in, in college, and Jet Jones, man, he was just cool. He could play guitar, he could play piano, he was, he was athletic, he, and he was my welcome group leader, like helping me get through freshman orientation. And, and I, every so I found myself trying to talk like Jet, and dress like Jet. I, I just want to be just like this guy. I want to change my name to like helicopter or something. I mean, I, I want to be something cool. I mean, how, how could I be cool like this guy? We all have these people that either we imitate in a little way or we imitate a lot. I always think that maybe my college students would start imitating me, but so far none of them are wearing plaid shirts. I, I don't know. I, I, haven't, I haven't been influencing of, of, of fashion there. Those mentors, when they're gone, when they're leaving us, when we don't have the same level of interaction, it all of a sudden makes us insecure. How are we going to follow? How are we going to make it? How are we going to make the right decisions? What about when it depends on us? Verse 6, it says, Elijah said to him, Would you please stay here? For the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, Elisha says, As surely as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. By the time they get there, there's other people there. Uh, in verse 7, it says this, So 50 men from the sons of the prophets also went and stood some distance away as they both were standing by the Jordan River. And then Elijah, verse 8, uh, took his cloak, rolled it up, and he struck the water. And the water was parted uh, to one side and to the other till the two of them could go uh, to go over on dry ground. Verse 9, And when they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, all right, here we go. It's time. I'm leaving. Ask, what shall I do for you before I'm taking from you? Is there something I can leave you? Some little word of advice? Some kind of trinket? Some kind of like, oh yeah, here's my lucky, you know, I don't know, here's my pocket knife or something. You can remember me. Some kind of a gift, some kind of a word. I mean, Elijah was a guy that was famous for like wearing like a kind of a camel hair sort of vest. He didn't have a lot of good stuff. He didn't have a lot of things, belongings. What, what could I give you? What could I leave you? And Elisha says, would you please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me? Would you please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me? Okay. There's the key verse. There's the key request. A double portion. Now, when we think of double portion, sometimes we think, well, <clears throat> yes, I want a double portion, but um, I've gotten to an age where double portions aren't necessarily my friend. Okay? Anybody ever, like, get the double cheeseburger? or the triple cheeseburger. Anything that's called Baconator is not my friend. I'm just going to let you know. Um, hey, that is just cholesterol. That is just like hardening arteries. That's kind of just hurting the stomach. A double portion is not actually my friend. The cake and ice cream might not actually be what's good for me anymore. But we often have wanted, 
we want more of the dessert or we want more of the big meal or we want more of the... Do we ask for a double portion of God in our life? Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's more like metaphorical, but the idea of I want more. I want to see more of you, Jesus. I want to have more of that experience with you in my life. I, 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 I'm not, it's not out of just greed, but it's out of a desire to know you better, to know you deeper. I want to know you more. Elijah, you've done amazing things. God has used you in amazing ways. I want a double portion of your spirit. Is that a double portion of your success? I don't think so. But of your spirit. That, that, that I want to know God like you know God. And, and maybe even, even more. I, I, I want to experience his power and presence flowing through me, using me for the good of, God, of God's people, just like you or even more. I, not out of greed, not out of selfishness, not out of trying to make myself big or puff myself up, but just for the simple reason of it's God. I want more. It's the Lord, and I want more. It's His presence. I want more. It's His power in my life. I want more. It, it, it's Him flow. I want more. Elisha says, I want to inherit a double portion of your spirit. Interesting, Elijah's response. You've asked a hard thing. You've asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it, so, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it will not be so. I always wonder, why, what is this kind of cryptic answer here from Elijah, right? I mean, come on, Elijah, just say, yeah, all right, hey, you asked for a good one. That's it. You know what? You didn't ask for my, you know, handy, trusty walking stick. You didn't ask for, you know, a nice little word of advice. You asked, for, okay, you know, that's a good request. I can see that. It's kind of like when King Solomon and God said, what do you want, Solomon? I will give you what you want. And King Solomon goes, oh, should I go for power? Should I go for fame? Should I go? No. I want wisdom to be able to go. I'm the king. Give me wisdom to govern your people. And God says, you've asked for the right thing. I think this was asking for the right thing. So why doesn't Elijah go, good job. Elisha, you've learned well. You got it, buddy. Man, absolutely. He says, you've asked for a hard thing. Well, in part, because in some ways, it's not something that Elijah I don't think it's something that Elijah could grant. Elijah can't just go, you know, wave a little magic thing and here's God's spirit filling you up. This is, God's spirit is under the control of God. God is the giver of his Holy Spirit. God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. God is, in Luke, um, Jesus says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the whole, God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's God who is the giver of the Holy Spirit. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12. He says, for the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with your faith as God has distributed to each of you. Notice, he's talking about spiritual gifts. He says, we ask different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. He's talking about what? We have spiritual gifts as believers. God gives us of his spirit. He uses us as a body. We have different gifts. Some it's preaching, teaching. Some it's gifts of mercy and service. Some it's gifts of encouragement. Some it's gifts of generosity. God gives us different gifts. And we are given them by God. We can't just say, well, you know what? I've decided I have the gift of, it's given by God. 
think of yourself in sober judgment. It's not like, well, I got this gift and oh, you only got that gift. That gift's not as good as my gift. No, 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 no. It's a gift. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't work for it. You didn't. It's God who gives of his spirit and gives us the spiritual gifts. But it's not wrong to ask, God, give me a double portion. God, give me more. Or God, even give me certain gifts. That's what, in fact, it says um, in, in the next verse, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, when he's been talking about, he's going to start talking about love, but he's been talking about spiritual gifts. He says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. What are the greater gifts? Paul explains it in chapter 12. He says, those are the ones that build up the body. There's some spiritual gifts that just enhance your relationship with God. They just kind of fill you up in your spirit. But he says, no, desire the gifts that build up the body, that serve others. Just as Jesus came to serve, we also ought to seek to serve. And God, would you give me more of your gifts, not to elevate myself, not to exalt myself, not to do anything but humble me so that I might serve your people, so that you would be exalted in their lives, so that you would be exalted uh, in, in this church or in this congregation. Does that begin to make sense? When Elisha asks for a double portion, I don't think he's asking for just to be, I could be a greater prophet than Elijah. I think he's saying, Elijah, I've seen it in you. That fire, that passion for God, that desire for nothing else, that desire to be used amongst God's people in whatever way God would use you. That's what I want. That's what I want in my life. I want to be just like you. And in fact, if there's a way to even be more of that, I want more of that. God, help me. Give me your spiritual gifts. Fan into full flame the gift that is within me. God, do what only you can do. Set my heart afire. Make it ablaze for, for your kingdom. Well, what happened next? Speaking of fire. That's exactly what happened next. It says in 1 Kings, verse 11, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, As they were still talked and were walking along the road, behold, chariots of fire and horses uh, came and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Now Elisha, it says in verse 12, saw this and cried out, My father, my father. There's that relationship, that mentorship. It's like my father. My father, my fire and father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. He took hold of his own clothes and he tore them. Tore them into two pieces. What was this about? It seems like a crazy story. Why even have fire from heaven come? Why, why these chariots and horsemen to carry Elijah up into heaven? What was this all about? Was this some kind of a, I don't know, blessing for Elijah? Was this some kind of a reward for his faithful service? I mean, it, it seems kind of cool. Skip the whole death thing. Save a whole lot on funeral costs. I mean, well, what was this about? I think it was probably for Elisha. I think it was probably for Elisha. I, I, I think this was something to show Elisha God's power, God's presence, and you've asked for the right thing. Remember, that's what Elijah said. If you see me taken up to heaven, it'll be yours. I, I, I think this dramatic translation of, of Elijah from this life to the next, this dramatic move was for Elisha's sake. It was for Elisha's sake. 
that he would know that God was granting a request. You've asked the right thing. You're seeking, you're going to find. You're knocking, the door is going to be open to you. You're going that way, God is going to grant it. Verse 13 says this. And he took the cloak um, of Elijah that had fallen when he went from him, and he went back and he stood at the bank of the Jordan. Verse 14. And he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him, and, it struck the, and he struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he struck the water, the water was parted. To the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. Verse 15. And then the company of prophets from Jericho who were watching, what did they say? Well, they said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed down to the ground. It was for Elisha, these chariots of fire. That the, the, the answer would be granted. It was for him. It was to remind him uh, that, that, yes, this will be granted. But not only so, it was ultimately these miracles were for the people of God, for these prophets, this company of group, to say, yes, this is your new leader. This is the one God has chosen. He has the right heart. He's going to do the right things. He's following the Lord. And he's uh, kind of given sort of some, some credibility here. He's elevated in the eyes of these prophets as he's the one who is following God is gracious to do the right things at the right time. God is gracious to lift us up. It says, you humble yourself with the Lord and he will lift you up in due time. I'm thankful for that. I'm, I, I am. I'm thankful because the more longer I try to serve Jesus, the more I realize I'm inadequate. On my own, I, I, I can't do it. There's not enough, I can't work hard enough. I can't be smart enough. Sometimes I think I might be good looking enough. But, 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 but probably not. Probably not. I, I, you know, probably not. But the truth of that is, I need God every moment. The truth of the matter is, I, 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 I can't, oh, let me, let me be wise enough to counsel you biblically. I can show you truth, but it's God that's going to convict and work in your heart. I, I can preach a sermon that I think, oh boy, this has got some great illustrations, and oh, look at how we make the points clear. But it's God's power that brings conviction, that brings transformation. There's nothing that Pastor Barry or Pastor David or me or any of our Sunday school teachers, there's no, no strength, there's no wisdom that the finance team or the, the personnel teams, we don't know enough, we're not smart enough, we're not good enough to be the people of God. We need God. Every single time, every single circumstance, in every single way. Today, my prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that we would read a story like this, and out of everything, we wouldn't go like, gosh, I wonder what those, that chariots of fire looked like. Gosh, man, that was really kind of wild. Boy, did that really happen? I don't know how that worked. Boy, I should be a better mentor. I, I don't know about all of that. But what I want to say is, it begins by seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. By being those that say, I want a double portion. I need more, Lord, of you in your life, more of you in my life. We read this verse to the children. I hope you heard it. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 says this. For this reason, I remind you, Timothy. You already heard this. You've known it before, Timothy. You're a young pastor. I want to remind you 
fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He doesn't ever tell us what that gift is. Is that the gift of being the pastor? Is that the spiritual gift of teaching and leading? Is that a gift of administration? Is it a gift of evangelism? We don't know what particular gift Paul might be referring to. It does seem like he's a pastor and leader. Seems like he does is charged with teaching. But I wonder, I wonder if part of that gift was a gift that Elisha had asked for. Paul, I want a double spit, but I want a double portion of your spirit. Paul, I want to know Jesus like you know Jesus. I want to know God like you know God. I, I want to follow God like you follow God. I, I, I want to be all in like you're all in. And as God had responded to that desire, because remember, seek and you will find. That's what Jesus promised. Knock and the door will be open to you. Ask and you will receive. As God had already done that work in Timothy's life, Paul reminds him, Timothy, keep stoking the fire. Timothy, keep adding some fuel. Timothy, keep blowing on the fire. Ask God to fan into full flame the gift that is already in you, that desire to know him, that desire to be used by him, that desire to see Jesus glorified in every aspect into your life. Fan into full flame the gift that is in you. For the Spirit doesn't give us a spirit of fear. We're not afraid. We're not supposed to be afraid. God has made us his children, his sons. He's not made us timid, but has given us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. God has called us to so much more. Why are we sitting on the sidelines? Why are we stay, staying out of the game? Why are we not saying, Lord, I want more of you in my life? For some of you, maybe that's not started. You need to begin a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're watching online or sitting here this morning and you need to say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. I want to follow you. Lord, I want to be used as a college student on my campus. God, I want to be used in my workplace. God, I want you to be glorified as I interact with my grandchildren. God, I want you to be seen in every moment of every day. God, give me a double portion. God, give me more. I don't want regular. Elisha probably wanted a young man at this point. Some of us think, oh yeah, this is for the young. I've already sort of missed it. No, 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 no. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today, ask God to make you the man, the woman that he's called you to be. Today, we ask for a double portion. So if you don't know Jesus, maybe today's your day. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to start this journey. Today, if you do know Jesus, but you've never really said, boy, I want you to have all of me take over. I want to experience the double portion for however many years, however many days you give me. I want that passion. Would you say today, yes, Lord, give me a double portion in my life. I'm going to be at the front, and if you want to know more, if you need to pray with someone, if there's a time you just need to confess something, the altar's open. If you just want to kneel here and pray, whatever you want to do, you do business with the God who's listening. You do, the God, you do business with the God of Elijah, the God of Elisha, the God of the, the fiery chariots, the God who has called you to more. You respond as he calls. The music team's going to come, and I'm going to pray. You respond. Jesus, have your way. Have your way. 
double, triple, quadruple, have your way. God, we want you to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. We want you to take and burn away the dross, the extra, the, 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 the neglectful. We want you to put in us a fire uh, so deep inside that it burns all the way through, Lord, for a lifetime. Let it burn brightly for the glory of your Son. He's all we need. He's what we want. We want him to be glorified. So we pray all of this knowing of your love in his name, the name of Jesus.